You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Thursday, February 17th. 2022 i still have to consciously think like say 22 idiot thank you for making lockdown tigers your first listen every day free and available wherever you get your podcast today we'll be going over the hitters the offense for the detroit tigers in the pakoda rankings yesterday we did the pitching staff today we're going to do the bats so uh for those who don't know pakoda or maybe didn't listen to yesterday or whatever Pakoda is a uh, comparison algorithm. Well, it literally stands for Player Empirical Comparison and Optimization Test Algorithm. Pakoda. Uh, well, it's it's named after Bill Pakoda, who was a player, um, but that's what the acronym uh, stands for. I think they just were like, "Hey, we're gonna name it after this," and now we just gotta figure out how to make this this acronym work um, and they did it's, it's pretty fine but uh, so baseball prospectus does this every single offseason they do win-loss records for every team as well as individual players and we talked about this on yesterday's show so I'm not going to go too much into it but it's just a super fun thing uh, to, to kind of look at whenever they release them and, and get a feel for what third-party uh, websites organizations whatever you want to call them are grading the Tigers at. And long story short, they're not big fans of the Tigers. Not big fans of of your Detroit Tigers. We talked about the pitching yesterday, as I've said a million times now. I'm sorry. Hitting today. We're going to start off... What position group you want to start off with? We can start off with the outfielders, I guess. Pakoda has the most productive outfielder for your Detroit Tigers, being Robbie Grossman for a second year in a row. Not too terribly surprising, especially with how good he is at working the count and drawing walks. Uh, that That is often a sign of sustainability, but they don't have him having nearly as good of a year as he did last year in, in the same breath. So they have him at about one and a half war and a 97 DRC plus, which is their predictive stat for runs created plus, which we use all the time, right? WRC plus in our greatest of all time thing. We talked a lot about it. Uh, honestly, throughout the season, we, we talked a lot about it. That's just uh, your runs created. A hundred is league average. Anything above is how much better you are than league average. Anything below is how much worse you are than league average. They have him at a 97 deserved runs created plus that's just the deserved the drc plus is just their version of it uh so they have him as a below league average hitter they have him with a 343 on base percentage again but the power numbers taking a huge drop back robbie grossman last year obviously having a 2020 season in home runs and stolen bases they have him going way back down to his more uh career home run numbers and then comerica is a big park and everything so uh, they have him at like 12 or 13 home runs next season. So not a great start. I don't, I don't love that. And again, the, everybody knows if you're a longtime listener or follower of me, uh, like the biggest thing I look for in a good hitter is the ability to draw walks, is walk rate. I think that is so vital. And Robbie Grossman had one of the best walk rates in all of Major League Baseball last season. 
I, I don't expect that to change because that's something that's been carried with him for his entire career. Uh, and honestly, I, I find it hard to believe that he could have a 343 on base percentage and be a below league average hitter. I think that, that that would indicate like zero extra base hits pretty much. Like zero hits, period. Like he's just walking. Uh, so I, I, I think that's I, – I, I don't mind one or the other. Right, I don't mind if you say he's going to have a 343 OBP uh, or a 97 DRC plus. Like, I guess that's that's if you, if you want that prediction, that's fine. But both of those together seem a little like they, they won't line up too terribly well. So, uh, I I would have Robbie above a hundred, absolutely. Again, because of his ability to draw walks, um, and I, I don't even need him to repeat. A, a 2020 season, right? I, I don't need 20 home runs out of out of Grossman at the leadoff spot, presumably, going into next season. But I I, I do think he's going to provide and, and produce a little bit better than that. Next up, Akil Badu. Uh, he got, I think, the biggest thing with him. They had him at an 88 DRC plus, which is not great. I mean, that's 12 percent worse than than league average. Not fantastic, um, but I, I think the craziest thing with him is the player comparisons. They do like uh, like player comparisons going into the season, and his were Christian Yelich, Jay Bruce, and Randall Grishik. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's crazy player comp, uh, especially again when you pair it with an eighty-eight DRC plus. That that's kind of that's kind of whack to me. But I I. Here's the thing. Badu made a ton of in-season adjustments last season, right? He started off the year as just crushing the fastball because he was new when there was no report on him. Then a report got around. He went into a little bit of a slump there in May and then came out on the other side by the end of May and and through the rest of the season, really. He had, a, he had another slump there at the end of the season a little bit. But he his ability to make in-game or in-season, I should say, adjustments was on a whole different level. It was so beyond his years and so unbelievably impressive. Now, the other thing is he's going to have to learn how to hit lefties. That's the biggest thing. If that's an 88 DRC plus and he's getting the same amount of opportunities against righties and lefties and he's, you know, has a, has a whatever, like a 115 against righties, which would be phenomenal for a second year player out of a rule five draft. But then had a a what a, a an eighty a seventy five against lefties. You'd be like, okay, that I I, I guess that kind of makes sense. I guess it would actually probably have to be even lower than that because he's probably going to face less lefties. There's left lefties, whatever. Regardless, I'm not I'm not great at math, but you get the point. If that's with equal appearances against righties and lefties, it's something that could be a reality. Uh, but with the unreal outfield depth that we have kind of stumbled into, I don't think that he will be put in too many situations where he will have to play lefties or face lefties too often. I, I think that Hinch really made sure last season that he was going up against mostly righties, especially when he was hot, uh, and, and did put him in some situations as the season went on to, to go against lefties so that he could improve. And his numbers did go up. They were still atrocious, but they did go up against lefties as the season went on, right? Uh, small prize, again, because they were really, really bad still. But improvement's improvement. 
So I, I, I see him as kind of being in that role again, where he's going to get his opportunities against righties, absolutely. And I think that the lefties is going to be a very calculated, situational type of thing that, that Hinch decides to put him in against, or when Hinch decides to put him in against. So that one, I, I could, sure, I, I get It's a little low, right? And in theory, you'd like to see, I mean, Badu had an over 100 WRC plus last year. You'd like to see that be, uh, be, be a little higher. And if he hits righties as well as he did last year, it's going to be a little higher. But Pakoda as a whole is not a big fan of your Detroit Tigers, as you will continue to see uh, as, as we go through these. Um, other outfielders, not a big fan of them either. Not surprising. Uh, we have Victor Reyes with a 79 DRC+. Plus. Uh, not great. I, 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 every, I mean, again, if you've been following me for a while, you know my opinion of Victor Reyes. I, I think he's a fourth outfielder at best on a competitive team. Victor Reyes is not an 162-game starter on a team that goes to the playoffs and competes for a World Series. Um, he, he's a nice depth piece to have, right? He, he, organizational depth, he, he's a nice depth piece to have. He's got some speed. He plays mediocre defense, and he's going to put the bat on the ball, right? But he he's not an everyday player for me. So honestly, I, I would gladly take a push in an 80 WRC plus by the end of the season. Sure, that that's, that's totally fine by me. We'll get into the rest of the players after I tell you all about Bilt Bar. This is the time of year where everyone has pretty much given up on all their news resolutions, but not this year. You're sticking to your resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because you enjoy eating them, and I do too. Have you tried Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all so good. There's go- they are going to be your new favorite. All Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs included. That's 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bar with these. They're better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Go to Bilt.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar. that usually has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream, which is phenomenal. They are all delicious. And new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they care about the taste. They're all about it. They make it sure it tastes delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off every single time. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for segment two of Locked on Tigers. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Sticking with the outfielders, we'll finish those up. So we talked about Victor Reyes. We talked about Robbie Grossman. We talked about Akil Badu. Okay. Uh, Daz Cameron, 
a 75 DRC plus. Uh, that is that that would be disappointing. Um, Daz Cameron was was obviously one of the pieces that we got for Justin Verlander. That trade, pretty much every single day that goes on, looks more and more like it might not have been very a, a very great return or a very equal valued return for the greatest pitcher in franchise history. Jake Rogers has had uh, found some success in 2021, and then obviously he goes down with Tommy John. So that that's that's great. Franklin Perez. Uh, I'm, Franklin Perez has had his injury problems, not even on the 40 man anymore. Um, and then Daz Cameron. And so uh, the thing with him in the minors, if you followed him throughout his minor league career, when he's hot, he is an electric factory, man. Like when, when he's hot and he's swinging the bat, well, there, there are few more fun players to watch in in all any level of of baseball. I'm serious. He he is so unbelievably fun when he's swinging a hot stick. The problem is the the consistency. He'll go on a streak where where he'll be hitting 450 with some pop for like a a week or two weeks straight. And you're like, "All right, Daz Cameron figured it out. Let's roll." And then he'll hit 100 for the next 2 to 3 weeks. And you're like, "Okay, the speed is always going to be there. He's an athlete. The athleticism is always going to be there. The defense is is solid. Little little sporadic at times with that as well, but for the most part it was solid. The biggest thing is just consistently hitting. And and that's something that only comes with the grind of a full season, man. So a 75 uh I you would like all of these to be better, right? Like this is not super encouraging. If you're a big Pakota fan, you're not like, oh wow, I'm really pumped for the Tigers this year. Um, they they they're not big fans, and uh, and I'm going through and giving my opinion on all of it too, right? But 75. I'm just trying to think of what my mindset would be towards Daz Cameron at the end of the season if he ended with a 75 WRC plus. What would my reaction be, right? And I think I would, that's like right in the middle, man. I, th- that would be, that it would be disappointing. You, you, you would hope it would get better, but we have so much outfield depth that I, I'm not even sure currently I view Daz Cameron as like, oh, this is our center fielder of the future, or this is our right fielder of the future. You know what I mean? I, we, we, we have so much depth there that I think, um, I'd probably be like, okay, well, we'll we'll bring him back for another year in in 2023 and see if he can improve on it. If he doesn't, it's not a huge loss to the future outlook of the organization. If he doesn't prove on it, that's a good problem to have. I think I'd be pretty indifferent on on that result by the end of the season from him. And then Derek Hill with a 68 WRC+. That is brutal. And Derek Hill, former first-round pick, straight out of high school many, many years ago. What, 2014? Was it that long ago already? Um, long, long time ago. And it took him a long time to get through the minor league system, a lot longer than people expected because of the hitting. He's an unbelievable fielder. Like platinum glove in center field potential as a defender in center. We saw it firsthand when he came up last season. And I think he hit a lot better than people expected. And... He changed his stance a little bit, which was talked about by 
some of the guys, Chris Brown and, and Rahelio and, and some of the guys uh, over there on, on that podcast, which is a great show. Definitely uh, check those guys out. They're all good people. That's good people. So shout out to shout out to the, the dogs. Um, but they, they pointed out on a, on a crossover, not a crossover really, but I was a guest on their show once last season and, and, uh, and, and they pointed out that he had changed his stance a little bit. And, and since he had gotten called up, he was really good. And then he got hurt a couple of times because he's a madman in the outfield and, uh, he's going to catch the damn ball and sacrifice his own body to do it. So I love Derek Hill, a 68, if that's what he ended the season at. If he ended with a 68 WRC plus, I would I would say okay, well, he's he's never going to be able to hit at the major league level. That would just be it. I'd be like okay, he he'll he'll be a fourth outfield a fourth outfielder for this team going forward. He'll have great speed on the base paths. He'll give you a great great I mean borderline elite level defensive replacement late in games, but. He, 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 you know, with that, I'm not sure his defense would ever be good enough to overcome that poor of performance at the plate. So that, that's a tough one. And, and he did improve last season. So I, I think I have higher expectations than that for him going into this season. And I expect him to, to hit better than that. But if, if that's what ends up happening, that would be a pretty massive blow, I think, to a lot of people. Uh, considering how badly everyone wants him to be the everyday center fielder. The last one for the outfield is Riley Green. They have him at an 88 DRC+, plus, um, which is, again, you'd like to see all these be better, but at the end of the day, it's for a rookie, and I think an OPS in the low 700s is feasible and and would not change my opinion of Riley Green's future whatsoever. So he's not going to win Rookie of the Year. Okay, fine. I still think he has like nine war MVP potential. All right? Uh, that, that, that wouldn't make me lose too much sleep. I, I would just be very happy that he had decent enough production, decent production, and was getting playing time. So at the end of the day, I'm I'm – Whatever. I, I think he'll be better than that, as I have said for pretty much everybody on here except maybe Victor Reyes so far. Um, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose sleep if that's the final production at the end of the season. I'm really not. Okay, we will get into the rest of the bats, the infield, after I tell y'all about betonline.ag. Football season might be over. But basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports gambling needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. So head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, we are back here for our third and final segment of Locked On Tigers, going over the Pakoda projections for the team. Let's get into the infield. That's where a lot of the juicy stuff is. We're going to save the best segment for last. We're going to start with who Pakoda thinks is going to be the Tigers' best hitter. And that is Jamer Candelario. Uh, I don't think this is that far-fetched. 
and I would be pretty pumped if this was the case. Now, uh, I well, we'll get there. Uh, Jamer Candelario, they have him at a 105 DRC plus and a two war. So I would be really pumped if Jamer was the most productive player on the team. But if the rest of the team did so poorly that Pakoda is right on everybody else and a two war barely over league average hitter, that that's like a 750-ish OPS. If that ended up being the best hitter on the team, next season's going to be a rough one. Next season's going to be rough if uh, if that is the most productive player on the team. And, and not if Jamer's the most productive. I think Jamer has the potential to be the most productive, but uh, the most productive at like an 820 OPS and like a 112 WRC plus and a three or four war season. You know what I mean? So it's, it's nothing against Jamer. It's just that stat line specifically. If that's the best we're going to get out of any hitter, it, it's going to be a long summer. It might already be a long summer because who even knows when we're going to start playing baseball. But that's besides the point. Um, the other big one, let, let's get Javi out of the way. Pakoda, not a big fan of Javier Baez. And I know that he is, is rather controversial within the fan base. The signing of him was rather controversial as is. They only have him at a 1.4 war, a 685 OPS, which is an 82 DRC+. They have Javi Baez equivalent or around Victor Reyes offense with a 1.5 war. That is brutal. And they still give him decent player comparisons. But, like, I mean, man, like, that's tough. That's, that's, that's brutal. I, I expect significantly better than that out of Javi Baez. I know he's not going to walk. I know he's going to strike out a lot. But I don't think moving from Wrigley to Comerica is going to cause his offense to go down, like, 200 OPS points. Look at his, look at his offensive numbers when, once he got traded to the Mets, man. I, I don't think... Going from City Field to Comerica is is a death sentence to this guy. I mean, my goodness, that's brutal. So I I adamantly disagree with that, and and my opinion of of the signing of Javi over who was out there is neither here nor there at this point. We have him. He's the shortstop. He's going to be the shortstop for the next several seasons. A six eighty five OPS is just insulting. I mean, that's just wrong, man. That's that's disrespectful. And I, I adamantly disagree with that. I do. I, I, I don't think that that is, is... I mean, the 230 batting average, maybe. But, like, he's going to make up for it with, with extra base hits and, and everything. Like, that's, that's, that's so out of pocket. So that, that would be a major disappointment, obviously. I mean, if, if, if Javi Baez, in his, in his first year after signing with us, can't even put up a one-and-a-half war season, that, that, like, we're, we're going to be in trouble. That's going to be tough. That's going to be a tough contract to have to sit through if that's what we're going to introduce to him for. But that is Pakoda's projection for Javier Baez. The rest of the infield, uh, Spencer Torkelson, they have playing about 130 games, right? They have him hitting 16 home runs and a 104 WRC+. We, I think as a community, we would all gladly take that. If he's an above-league average hitter as a rookie, that's beautiful. 
That's a great sign of things to come. We should all be super, super excited. No one should expect him to come in and have a 130 WRC plus and hit 40 homers. Okay, He's still going to be a rookie. There's still going to be a lot of adjustments. He's probably not going to hit for a great batting average. But an eye doesn't leave you. He's still going to work count. He's still going to draw walks. And the power's not going anywhere. So I, I would be very, very pleased with that. I, I think that's a successful rookie season for Spencer Torkelson. Uh, at the catcher position, no, let's go to Miggy first. Uh, Miguel Cabrera. They have him as a 93 DRC plus, which is just over a 700 OPS and about half a war. Um, that's, I mean, I'll take that. Sure, that's fine by me. Like for real, that that that's fine. If Miguel Cabrera wants to DH and bat seventh, and and have a, a you know half a war out of D, I mean, war for DH is so ridiculous, right? Because you're you're not you're not playing in the field. You're not getting any defensive boost there in your war. Uh if if he wants to to have a, a over a 700 OPS hit you know 10 to 15 home runs get his 3000 hits and and have a, a couple more miggy moments there down and batting whatever 6th 7th sure man i'm 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 pretty fine with that i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to lose sleep over that at this point in his career second to last season of miguel cabrera uh let's go to catcher then they are really down on Eric Haas, and we will get into Eric Haas when I do my uh, my player evaluation, my deep dive on Eric Haas later. Um, I share a lot of the concerns with Haas's offense going forward. For the record, we'll get this out of the way. They have Barnhart at a 79 DRC+, plus, which is a 654 OPS, and about a 0.7 war. That's fine. You're, we're we're going to take that. We we didn't bring in Barnhart to to have a silver slugger, right? We we know what he is offensively. He's been pretty consistent with his offensive production his entire major league career. We got him to play defense. If he can handle the staff well and be a damn good catcher behind the plate, I'm going to be happy. I don't really care what what he hits as long as it's not you know a, a 250 OPS. Eric Haas. They have him at an 83 DRC plus. Eric Haas hits the crud out of fastballs like like nobody uh, like nobody else on this team honestly he hits the hell out of fastballs the problem is if you throw him a fastball and he misses it and then you go like slider slider low and away the at bat's over and it's a three pitch strikeout that's it every single time he has a ton of adjustments to make he has a lot of adjustments to make at the plate with off speed pitches Everybody has a year report on him now. He's not just some late 20s random, you know, former career minor leaguer that came up and, and got his shot and took advantage of it, and we don't know what to throw to him. He's going to see a lot less fastballs this year. So for Eric Haas to maintain the level of production he did last season, he's going to really have to to get in the cage and, and get a lot better at recognizing off-speed pitches and raise that walk rate as well because uh the, the walk rate was pretty low the on-base percentage was pretty low but the slugging percentage was so good that nobody even cared including myself he he, he was he was a great story last year love Eric Haas but he's gonna th those are things that he's going to have to improve on because I'm not sure that high slugging percentage is sustainable when he's going to be seeing a lot more off-speed pitches so those are my concerns uh with Eric Haas and that is probably 
if I had to guess, why you see him at an 83 DRC+. plus. Uh, Willie Castro, they have at an 82 DRC+. plus. I don't expect much out of Willie Castro at this point. I Honestly, I think he's going to have a hard time making the roster. Uh, I would not be shocked if they gave the nod to Cody Clemens or Isak Paredes. I really wouldn't. I, I think, you know, we, we found the little bit of short season magic with Willie Castro in 2020, but in 2021, he didn't hit very well. In his short stint in 2019, he didn't hit very well. And throughout all levels of the minors, he's kind of been a Babbitt merchant. I, I, I don't, and he's, he, he's not a good defender. You, you can't hide him anywhere. He's, he's, he really struggles at shortstop. He struggles at second base. They tried to put him in the corner outfield to hide him a little bit. Didn't perform too much better there uh, outside of like one crazy diving catch that I was at. Uh, so I, I think I am no longer like penciling in Willie Castro as like a future piece to this team. If he becomes one, great. I would love to be wrong, and that again, that's a good problem to have. The more depth, the better, right? But I am no, I am not. When I'm looking at the Tigers two years from now, I don't have Willie Castro as part of those long-term plans. Harold Castro, the Babip King, they have it as a 66 DRC plus, which is putrid. That is worse than anybody on the team uh, that I've mentioned so far. Worse than Derek Hill's 68. Um, they, they do not expect much out of hitting Harold. Um, Harold, look, Harold Castro is a, a, a good player to have. He was a great player to have in the clubhouse last year, um, because he could play any position you wanted to, and he was going to put the bat on the ball, whether it was a single or a ground out was, was up for interpretation or up for results. But, um, but, but he was going to put the bat on the ball. And, and I do like that about Harold, but um, the BABIP numbers were incredibly high, and no formula is going to favor anybody who who had that many hits and them all being singles, and also doesn't draw walks. So, but if Harold can replicate what he did last year, I'll be a happy camper. You you can be my utility man all day with that, Harold, for real. We're gonna end on Isak Paredes. Now, if you follow Picota, this is something you're passionate about. You're you're big into baseball prospectus or whatever. You know that Picota, for whatever reason, has always loved Isak Paredes. Always. And this year, <laughs> this year is no different. They have him at a 105 DRC+, plus, which is a 736 OPS. Um, they don't have him play, playing too many games, but that's besides the point. They have him as an above-league average hitter in the time that, he, they, that they have him projected to be given. If that happens, that's obviously a major success. I don't expect that, um, I, and I, and to their point, I don't know how much playing time he's really going to get. There, there's kind of a hole at second base, and I and I would like for the future at least. We we got Scopey for the for this upcoming season, but going forward, I, I think you might see, especially in the second half, maybe Scopey gets off to a hot start and is flipped at the deadline. I. I I mean, Isak might be the second base. Him or Cody Clemens, you know, might be the everyday second baseman for the last two months of the season. And if Isak can do that, if Isak can have a WRC plus of over 100, I mean, that's a, that's a major win for the organization and makes that trade look even better than it already does. So just a fun little thing because that for whatever reason, man, they have, they have always, 
Pakoda and baseball perspective have always been big fans. Okay, so that'll do it for our two-day little series there on the Pakoda projections for your Detroit Tigers. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. This was kind of fun. I hope it was fun to listen to, as I always do. Thanks for rocking with me. We will pick up where we left off tomorrow, baby. Not in Pakoda, but in something else. We have another lockout update. They met today, and they're going to meet again tomorrow. I'm sorry, you're listening to this on Thursday. They met yesterday, and they're meeting again today. So we'll have an update for you. It won't be good. Spoiler alert. Nothing's getting even close to being accepted. Honestly, I'm just pumped to see how hard the players laugh in the face of the owners when they suggest cutting like 900 minor league jobs. That That's that's just going to be so great. Make my day. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope, and I'll catch you all tomorrow, baby. <laughs> Go Tigers.